Welcome to Book Bumble, the podcast for people who love to read. In each episode, we'll introduce a stack of books that are tied together with a common connection to help take a deeper dive into each story. We provide a space to talk books that is friendly and deep with a little hint of geek. I'm Laura Pleasance. And I'm Leslie Hopping. And we are two friends who love spending time with our families, visiting libraries, and reading great books. We are so happy you joined us. Let's get started. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Laura. Welcome, everyone. This is episode four. Today, our stack of books is tied together with a common theme of writers and their craft. We have a big stack today. I'm so excited. This is a great episode that I was excited to put together with you because we only read books because of great writers. That's correct. Yes. So I want to start with such a wonderful read called Writers and Lovers by Lily King. This came out in March of 2020. And here's the starting point. The year is 1997 and Casey Peabody is reeling from her mother's unexpected death and a love affair gone awry. She's living in a garage, pulling double shifts in a dead-end job as a waitress, and trying to make progress on a novel she's been working on for six years. Complicating matters even further is the fact that she falls for two very different men, also both writers, in very different life circumstances. Mm -hmm. So... I adore this book. It's a beautifully written story of being stuck both in life and in craft. Mm -hmm. So she's an author. She's stuck. She's been working on this book for six years. And sometimes she can't even get out of a paragraph. Right. She's writing it over and over and over Mm -hmm. or looking at the same page over and over and over. And she even puts aside time in her day for writing and still can't push through. Exactly. And I love the way that the author makes that comparison of getting stuck in life mm-hmm. and also having writer's block. Yes. Life block and writer's block. So I love the way that she Casey steps through doors that are open with hope. And she makes bold choices. It's just an absolute joy to read. It has masterful character development. Casey had to keep standing when everything was falling apart. And sometimes things were falling apart due to her own choices. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things were falling apart because of things that were totally out of her control. Yes. I thought the passages describing how much she missed her mom were so powerful. And again, she's kind of stuck in her life because of that unexpected death of her mom and Mm -hmm. how close they were and how much of a rock her mom was to her. So she's, she's stuck in this dead end job and it's also affecting the craft of her writing. There's a really cool theme image of geese Mm -hmm. that go throughout the book that relate to how she feels about her mom that I found really touching. This book is an incredibly satisfying read because at the end of this book, you feel like you stood in there with Casey through all of the ups and the downs and you were with her. Yes. And I'm going to be honest, listeners and Laura, that (laughs) when we started preparing for this episode, um, the way you described it so well 
it made me go request it from the Granville Library and go see my friends and pick that up. And my hope was that I would be able to get through the complete book uh, before we recorded, but I just didn't want to power through. It was not a book that I wanted to skim and push through. I wanted to enjoy every piece of the writer's language they used and the situations and stories and the symbolism that were in the book that I just kind of have taken my time. Well, I've read this book actually twice because I read it when it first came out and then preparing for today, I read through it again in a day. Yes. And it's just the humanity, the way that Lily King makes Casey so relatable, so human. Mm-hmm. I mean, guess what? Sometimes when you get out of college six years later, right. you're not doing what you thought you were going to do right. when you started college. Yes. And I think everybody can find something to relate to that. And there's also just a hilarious passage where she has a college friend who's inviting her to a wedding. Yes. And just, it's so <laughs> relatable and you can identify with it if you've ever been invited to somebody's wedding. Yes. That was a destination wedding and it's just yes. just the the pure humanness of this character right. she has a lot of flaws mm-hmm. and a lot of good things about her too so I really love that yes and I just actually read that scene <laughs> and I laughed out loud because I thought wow would I have the audacity to actually answer the way that I sometimes want to answer and our character Casey does not always putting her in a better situation, mm-hmm. but she's very true to herself, even though she doesn't know exactly what she wants or where she should be. She's very true to herself. Absolutely. This this book, Writers and Lovers by Lily King, pick it up. You're going to love it. Pick it up. And she's written, I, I thought of Casey at first as like an Eeyore type character, like all these things. Holy cow. Just listening to all these lists of bad things that were happening or things that she just wasn't planning on. But you just, she's so endearing and you just want to, like you said, stand right beside her and help her through these situations. And I just read a scene about her singing to the geese. I'm not going to say more than that. Just these geese keep coming up. And I know Mm -hmm. that's probably more than I even know yet because I'm only halfway through the book, but I love that symbolism that connects with her mom. And I wonder what the author of this book has really gone through because she's writing it with such pure understanding. Mm -hmm. She's writing about an author writing. Yeah, and she just writes with so much grace, Mm -hmm. so much compassion. And one other thing I noticed, Lara, and I know we're taking a long time on this one, but, and I'm saying this not having seen the end, so... I could be totally off, but the author, Lily King, will say like something generally good will happen to Casey, and then she'll figure out the next paragraph or the next sentence she's going to write in her own story. Mm. It kind of pushes her just a little past the stuck. Yeah. And then other bad things happen. She gets stuck, but then something maybe pleasant happens, and she moves through it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Yeah, just a great story. Mm-hmm. So, Writers and Lovers by Lily King. I've got another one I'd like to share. Awesome. This book is called Dear Mrs. Bird by A.J. Pierce. It came out in 2018. It's absolutely charming. And here's our starting point 
set in London during World War II. Emmy Lake and her best friend Bunty are keeping calm and carrying on. <laughs> Emmy dreams of becoming a lady war correspondent and answers a job ad that she sees in the paper. And instead of her dream of reporting on the war, she begins working at Women's Friend, a ladies' magazine, and she's typing letters for Henrietta Bird, an advice columnist. Mrs. Bird has really strict rules for the letters they will respond to and the manner in which they will respond. Oh. And Emmy is so moved by these letters that she begins to secretly write back to these desperate women <laughs> without permission. Oh, no. I was really moved by this story of ordinary women who were doing absolutely extraordinary things in World War II London. They kept a stiff upper lip and stayed cheerful and upbeat during absolutely horrible circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think that saying of keep calm and carry on, it did start in World War II London. It did? And it's so, it did. And it's, it could just be the motto of this book. I love learned, I love learning about how Londoners tried to do these normal things like go to the movies, go to dances, falling in love, while Germans were raiding from the skies every single night. Right. Emmy, our main character, also does her part for the war effort by volunteering with the auxiliary fire service. And she sees some very Mm. hard things. Right. So this book, when I read in the back, the author's notes, it was actually inspired by real British women's magazines Hmm. that were around in World War II that were trying to encourage women and housewives. Mm -hmm. I love the British humor and sayings (laughs) in this book. I'm a real fan of any kind of British accent Mm -hmm. or um, sayings, and it's just so fun. They said things like "righto," "proper job," <laughs> "cracking on," and "cock a hoop," oh. which means like really wonderfully excited. Oh, um, to start using those. Again. I love the way that Emmy <laughs> and her best friend Bunty share life together in this book, both the joys and just absolutely unimaginable loss. Mm-hmm. Emmy continues dreaming of being that war correspondent and writing things that will make a difference, and through her letters, through her answering to these desperate women that are writing in, she really does begin to make a difference with her writing. Mm. So it's just so good. Now, I'm really excited because there's also a sequel to it. It's called Yours Cheerfully. And that continues the story of Emmy and her writing dreams, takes her sort of in a different direction. And we see how Emmy's empathy for the circumstances of others and sharing those through her writing with the world get her in some hot water. Mm-hmm. And we also revisit Bunty and we meet some delightful new friends as well. So that I'm excited too because I believe this is going to be a series now oh. called the Emmy Lake series. Okay. So I think there are going to be some more books coming out as well. The first book was set in 1940. Mm -hmm. The sequel, Yours Cheerfully, is set in 1941. So I don't know for sure, but maybe every year or two, uh, a new Emmy Lake tale. So that's Dear Mrs. Bird and Yours Cheerfully by A.J. Pierce. 
Well, I have not read either of them. Actually, I have gotten Dear Mrs. Bird from the library, but then had to return it because it was due. And I, the listeners don't know this about me yet, but I tend to be a library book hoarder. Yes. You know this about yes. me. Yes. So I had to turn it back in, but I will have to get that back out. Absolutely. What book do you want to tie in next? Well, my this is a great, we didn't even plan this, but my book is also kind of about an advice columnist. columnist. Okay, cool. Yes, and it is called The Downstairs Girl. It's by Stacy Lee. It came out in August of 2019. So here's our starting point. Joe Kwan, who's only 17 years old, is a lady's maid for a very, very overindulged, cruel daughter of a very rich man in Atlanta, Georgia, at least by day. By night, Joe, this 17-year-old Chinese immigrant, takes up her pen to write as an advice columnist for the Southern Genteel Lady, Mm. which she is not any of those things. <laughs> uh, but her writing starts becoming more about social justice, racial ideals, gender roles of the time, um, because she is starting to kind of explore. It's the New South in kind of like 1890s time period. And um, she's answering these very mundane questions with very honest answers. So it's not as much about being genteel as being honest to the women who are writing in for advice. So as this column, which is called Dear Miss Sweetie, becomes more popular, things start to become more dangerous as the column also has many people who really don't like what Joe is writing. Mm. So um, I got kind of a Bridgerton, Mrs. Whistledown, Thought where if you've read any of the Bridgerton books or seen the show, Mrs. Whistledown is this columnist and people are trying to figure out who it is and want to stop her. Mm. So that's kind of the idea, kind of a connection um, with kind of how people were feeling about her writing. So Joe's decided that whether, has to decide whether she's going to stay kind of in the shadows. Literally, she lives in a forgotten basement of a newspaper building. Mm. So like she can't even go in the front door. She goes kind of in the back through Mm. this secret entrance. Um, No windows, dripping water. Um, So she has to decide, am I gonna live there and stay there? Or am I gonna come out to kind of proclaim who I am and what I represent and believe? Because her column has become very widely read And she starts getting paid a nice amount of money for her column, which helps her and her family. So threaded through this story is kind of her finding also out about her own past and her own family that she doesn't know. So I really like the duality of how it isn't always good or bad uh, being a Chinese American in that new South. Uh, I honestly didn't think about what it was like for the Chinese Americans coming in during that time. Um, but it was actually very hard for them. They were not accepted. Um, and the writing was really beautiful. I loved that they, the author put in all these strategically placed Chinese proverbs. Oh, I love that. So it was like not just dropped in for no meaning. They were very, very purposefully placed. Um, and it really brought you back to that 
Chinese culture and how Jo Kwan was really wanted to keep herself. She didn't want to become a Southern gent- genteel lady. She wanted to be herself. Um, I did really want to know more about Joe's background. They kind of dropped in little clues here and there, but never really came around to finish that up. So that never got resolved, but I still really just enjoyed it very much. And the idea of this 17 year old girl writing in the middle of the night, writing her columns Mm -hmm. with charcoal Mm -hmm. and any paper she could find when she first started uh, was just so inspirational to me. And I really loved this. So this is called The Downstairs Girl, and it's by Stacy Lee. Awesome. She sounds really brave. And I love stories of people that are doing things kind of secretly mm-hmm. and having to decide, are they going to show the world who they are right. or not? Yes. High stakes. High stakes. Um, I, I actually, I know I just talked a lot, but I have another one I want to share. Um, it's called The 13th tale and it's by diane setterfield and it came out way back in 2006 so you'll definitely be able to get this one from the library here's the starting point author vita winter has written 12 novels over her 60 years as an author so this is a very successful author Um, but when people ask her about her own past she keeps creating these different versions Um, of herself of her past and they are completely outlandish and it lets people know that she really has yet to tell kind of her own tale I mean she'll say I think one of them was she was abducted by pirates on the high seas Mm. I mean they're so over the top but she will not let anyone know about herself um she also and and the the readers have been wanting to read this 13th novel. She keeps alluding to the fact that she's written a 13th novel, a 13th tale, but no one can find it. It's not really out there yet. It's a mystery that her readers have been trying to solve for years. So Vita is very mysterious. Knowing that her life is finally reaching the end, that she's ill, she decides to finally share her extraordinary life. Ms. Winters summons biographer Margaret Leah who we come to find has a mysterious life parallel with our author, Vita. Hmm. Uh, Vita's past is full of mystery, full of lost and found love. Starts with the Angelfield family. Has these twins that are really feral twins. I mean, that's a really good actual description of these twins when you start to read about them. Ghosts and a governess. As Margaret starts writing, she realizes she will have to challenge and push Ms. Winters to get the complete truth from her, even though the truth is really hard to believe. Mm. So she's given these outlandish past, but her past is pretty outlandish and mysterious itself. But she really has to push Vita. So this book is really so many things that I love, love, love in my books. It's a tribute to writing and writers and envelops you in stories about stories and how vulnerable writers have to be to be able to be true to their storytelling, whether it's fictional or non-fictional. We talked about TJ Klune in one of our past episodes. He's gone through grief, and he writes about going through that in fictional ways. Mm-hmm. So authors really have to be pretty vulnerable in that way. It was mysterious. That's another thing I love. 
throughout the whole book. It was a little fantastical, had a little magical element to it. And it was a story of family and sacrifice and really how everyone has stories they don't want to share from their past. Uh, mine are not as exciting as Vita Winter's, but I just loved every minute of this book. This sounds really good. I've never heard of this book. I don't even know how it came into my hands. I'm not trying to make that mysterious, but I don't <laughs> remember how, I think I just picked it up off of the shelf at the library, but it was a very pleasant surprise. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to reading The 13th Tale by Diane Sutterfield. Awesome. So tell me what do you have in your hand right now? Oh gosh, I'm super excited about this book. This just came out in May of 2022. It's called This Time Tomorrow by Emma Staub. And oh gosh, it's so good. It's the story of Alice who on the eve of her 40th birthday falls asleep and wakes up on the morning of her 16th birthday. Oh gosh. <laughs> Alice gets new perspective on herself, her choices, and her dad who is ill in the present oh. time. She relives this experience of falling asleep and waking up over and over, making little changes each time and keeping some things the same in order to try to change the future that she knows is coming, especially for her dad mm -hmm. and her present. But it's not in a creepy way okay. at all. And it's not in a repetitive way that you're like, I've read some other time kind yes. of travel books where I've been like, okay, okay, get on mm -hmm. with it. I'm not a Groundhog's Day. Not experience. a Groundhog's Day. Okay. So Alice learns to appreciate what she has. And a, it's a, just a really good time travel story with a lot of character change. And I loved it. What was it called? The, oh, This Time Tomorrow by, by Emma, Emma Staub. Yeah. Do you know, I feel like I've heard of Emma Staub. I'm going to have to look that up to see if she's written some other books. That sounds familiar with me, to me. All right. Um, awesome. Well, I finally, finally got to a book that I've kind of had on my list for a while. I mean, not a while because it came out in 2022. That's a little dramatic. Um, but it is Love and Saffron by Kim Fay. I kept hearing things about this book, and I don't always love books that are in your face, you know, everywhere, people telling me I'm going to love it. Mm -hmm. But this book, it was true. So um, this book, I, I'm hoping I'm not going to mess this up. It's epistolary. Correct. Yes. All right. Meaning it's all written in letters. So we start with uh, young Joan, who is a new food writer living in Los Angeles. And she, uh, this is in the 1960s, and she writes a letter to Imogene who is living on the Kamano Island outside of Seattle. And she's a writer of what was called Letter from the Island for many years. And Joan looks up to her, has always read her articles, and just wanted to send a letter to her. And in her letter, she sends the herb saffron mm. to share with her new friend because they're both interested in food and recipes. And in the 1960s, it was very interesting because they weren't, you know, not everywhere grew or used garlic or saffron or different types of spices that we all use today or can just find at the grocery store. 
So her sending the saffron to Imogene was kind of a reach out of friendship and started um, years of writing letters. And it is really neat because these letters span over actually not that long of a time, maybe six, seven, ten years. It's on the 60s. And, um, but you go through things like the assassination of President Kennedy. And so you hear these little historical pieces. Um, and their letters, it's as if the people are living through this and experiencing that for the first time. And the author writes these letters in such a way that it is almost poetic because I've read some epistolary books where it feels almost redundant. Like if someone read my notes that I used to write to my best friends in my notebook, mm-hmm. it'd be really boring after a while because they start to sound the same. But these two women just enmesh themselves into each other's lives. Um, things like, you know, Imogene um, writing to Joan saying, the world is big, small, and gloriously astonishing all at once. Or Joan writing to Imogene, I'm sorry, Imogene writing to Joan, since when does Francis, her husband, know Sage from a screwdriver? Mm-hmm. And I just love this friendship that is built between these two women from different places at different ages. And it is beautiful. This is a book that I actually physically hugged when I was done mm. and was ready to actually read it again. Wow. I have this one checked out from the library right now. And it sounds like a book of friendship. Mm-hmm. And nobody writes letters anymore. No, they don't. And the things that you miss in that, um, they sent recipes to each other. They sent all kinds of different things. And just the, the feeling and emotion that went into those letters versus an email or a text that you would read today um, just immersed you in that time period as well. It sounds awesome. Yes. So make sure to get that in your hands. It is Love and Saffron by Kim Fay, and it actually is a very short book. So get it in your hands, and you will slurp it right up. (laughs) (laughs) So glad you joined us today. If you'd like some other titles that go along with this theme, check out our show notes from today's episode. Please share this episode with a friend, and check us out on Instagram at The Book Bumble. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our podcast. Join us next time with a new bundle of wonderful reads. Until next time.